You know, we were watching, uh, I was preparing for my sermon last night, watching the, the movie Risen. <laughs> I wasn't really preparing the sermon last night. Uh, I waited till this morning. Um, <clears throat> we were watching that movie Risen. I don't know if you've seen it, but my wife just said this year, hey, I want to watch that movie again. Uh, and so it's a, it's a, it's a fictional story. You know, it's a, it's based, it has truth in it. Jesus dies and comes back to life. But there's a Roman centurion that's assigned the task by Pilate to go prove that Jesus is dead, go find his body. And so through all these, you know, all, do you want me to give the movie away? <laughs> so, you know, through all this, basically, there, there's that moment, there's that moment where this, this centurion comes face to face with the living Jesus. And it's just like the... You know, I mean, they did a great job in the movie where they're just like, Ooh. and then Jesus, of course, does it even better. It's like he disappears from the room, you know, just like he does when he's risen from the dead. It says he was in the room, he walks in, and then he's gone, and the disciples are looking around, and he's just, he's just staring at it. It's just the, the, the amazement and the wonder on the day and the days after the resurrection was incredible. And... This is the other truth that I'm always reminded of, that if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, somebody could have proved it back then. I mean, it's pretty easy to prove that somebody's dead. If they're dead. (laughs) But they could never prove it. And throughout all history, no one has brought forth proof that Jesus is still dead. And in fact... Over and over and over again, through billions of lives, it's proving over and over again that he really is alive. You know, one of my other favorite uh, Christian movies uh, that I haven't seen for a while, I think I've only seen it once, is, is The Case for Christ. Anybody ever seen that movie? It's actually a book first, it's written by a guy named Lee Strobel. And it's such a good book. They finally made a good movie out of it. Uh, thankfully, they didn't make the movie when he wrote the book because the Christian movies back then were horrible. <laughs> okay, you remember those Christian movies? Anybody? If you haven't seen them, pull up something from like the 80s and you're like, whoa. Okay, but anyway, Lee Strobel is a guy who set out to prove that the resurrection was false. And he was going to research it. He was going to use modern thought and, you know, the power of humanity and the greatness in human thinking to say, I can prove this, this wrong. I'm going, to, I'm going to get rid of this hoax once and for all. And, of course, he can't do it. And no one's been able to prove it because he really did live. He really did come back to life. You know, turn to Romans 1. This is the scripture that that I was led to, to encourage us from this morning. Romans 1 and verse 16. 
says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why would Paul say that? Why would he say that? Why would he use that language? Why would he say, I'm not... Why would he even think of being ashamed of the gospel, right? I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. Let let me remind you of the atmosphere of what it was like to be a Christian when there were first Christians for the first time. Everybody thought you were an idiot. You couldn't just go down the street and find a church. There's a lady named Lydia is the first Christian in all of Europe. Paul goes to her in the city called Philippi. He meets her at the river and she comes to faith in Jesus. She's the first convert. She's the only one in Europe at that moment. Only one. And from that one, it spread throughout Europe, spread to the rest of Greece and modern-day Turkey, and then to the capital city of the Roman Empire, to Rome itself. But still, compared to the world population, it was a very small group. Very few people had believed in Jesus yet. Most people were stuck in all kinds of crazy beliefs. And so when you said, I'm gonna, I believe in this guy who was... You know, a Jewish guy who lived and then he died on a cross and then he came back to life and now he's Lord. Foolishness. Ridiculous. And in fact, the Apostle Paul and the followers of Jesus, they were so convinced that that this was true that they literally laid down their lives for this gospel. The good news of Jesus. So there was a reason for Paul to write, for I am not ashamed. We're moving now in our culture to where we're more like the first century. And we can have one or two reactions. We can whine and complain and go, oh God, bring back the old America. Or we can go, guess what? I get to do it like the Apostle Paul did. I get to live like Jesus and have people spit on me and beat me and hate me. Because, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, that is what's happening right now is the enemy and our culture wants to bring shame on you for believing the truth. 
to say that you are less than, you are hateful, you are a bigot, you are this or that, you are, you know, you are irrelevant. Whatever terminology that wants to be poured on us right now, and that's the atmosphere that Paul was living in. That's why he wanted to remind himself and the people in Rome who believed in Jesus. He was writing to a small group of believers compared to the giantess city of that time in Italy, Rome, Italy, and he's saying, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let's not be ashamed anymore. Let's not allow shame to stop us from living a life of love, from living a life of sacrifice, from living a life of honesty, from living a life bound and joined and saturated in truth. You know, I'm reading, I'm still reading a series of books to my son, my oldest son, okay? If you've heard me talk about these books, it's the same series. We're still in it because they're like this thick and there's like seven or eight of them now. <laughs> and so we keep reading them. And now we're in, the, we're, we're in the book where the talking animals, there's talking animals in the book, okay? Is everybody all right with talking animals? Okay. Who are on a mission from God. They've been assigned mission from God to do stuff throughout the historical history of the biblical events. So from Noah's Ark to Joseph to Isaiah writing the, the promise of the Messiah to Jesus' birth uh, to Jesus' death. All, all this stuff. And so right now we're in, the, we're in the part where they're traveling along with the Apostle Paul. And they get, they get word. It's, it's, so, it's so real because they get word. They're, the, Paul is with Peter. Can't remember what city it is. Um, they're, in the, they're talking together and a messenger comes and says, Peter, they just killed your brother. Andrew's dead. Andrew's dead. They'd already killed James. They'd already killed Stephen. They had killed others that we didn't read about in the Bible. Their names didn't make it in there. They died because they were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you ever sense that atmosphere, that spirit coming into you, it wants to make you, it wants to make you shut up. It wants to make you drop your head. It wants to make you be quiet. It wants to make you think something that's not true. But it just wants to squash you because the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone. The gospel is the only hope for our nation. Nothing else. It doesn't matter who gets elected. It doesn't matter who's, who's in Congress. It does, none of those things really matter in the huge scale of things. But what does matter is the gospel of Jesus. And what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Well, let's read about it in the scripture. Just in case we don't know. Just so we can be reminded. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul basically defines what the gospel is. Verse 1. 
Verse 1 says this, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. So right now we know what he's talking about, which you received and which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, which is the good news, gospel means good news, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, but some have fallen asleep. They've died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. This is, again, Paul writing once again when Jesus actually appeared to him after he had ascended to heaven. So what is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day, and he appeared to people. It's interesting, I just found it so fascinating right here, that being a witness is an essential part of the gospel, of the good news. Part of the gospel good news is an experience with Jesus Christ personally. That you have personally not just believed a religious truth, you have not just prayed a prayer that meant nothing in your heart, but you have personally encountered the resurrected Jesus in your life. And you know you're saved. You know you're forgiven. You know you've been set free. You know you've been transformed. You know you have eternal life. You know you're never the same again. You have left old things behind and all things have become new. You know. And if you don't know, you can know. Because the offer is for everyone. The good news is powerful for every single person. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter the, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter who you voted for. It doesn't, none of those things matter. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of kids or a few kids or you're from a big family or a small family or you like music or you don't like music. It doesn't matter that the gospel is for every single human being who has breath. And it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And Paul thought it was so important. He said, of first importance, this is what I'm telling you. What did Paul say? He's like, I, I lived among you. I'm going to know nothing but Christ Jesus and Him crucified. I'm, gonna, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. But it says that Jesus appeared. Did you know he appeared to 500 people at the same time after he was resurrected? Because Jesus wanted resurrection witnesses. What is a witness? A witness is just somebody who saw something and they experience it and testify that what they saw is true. The good news is not complete without witnesses. That, it's part of the gospel. Part of the gospel is that I am a witness to the living 
Jesus. That I have experienced Him in my life, so much so that I am able to tell what I have witnessed about His life in me with somebody else. Witnesses don't have to make up anything, right? Well, they're not supposed to. (laughs) If you get those kind of witnesses in court, what happens? You get charged with a crime. You're there being a witness, but if you say something that's incorrect, that is not the truth, then you're liable for what you've spoken as a witness. So a witness doesn't have to make up anything. You as, a, you as a witness of Jesus, as the life of Jesus, you don't have to come up with something. <laughs> but you might need to remember something. You don't have to come up with something. But you might, like Greg said, you might need to have him remind you of something. To bring something up to say, God, make that, make that fresh in my heart. Man, can you imagine... Peter and Paul and all these guys, they didn't have to be convinced that Jesus was alive. They didn't have to talk themselves up in the morning and say, I don't know if this is worth it or not. I wonder if I'm going to give my all today. They were laying down their lives for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus. It was was a natural part because they'd experienced and witnessed the reality of Jesus coming back to life. And I pray it would be true for all of us that we would have that same experience. Not physically. We can't physically see Jesus. But we can experientially and spiritually experience the living Christ. The living Messiah. The Son of God in our lives. It's really true. It's really true. You know, I woke up this morning... You know what I was thinking of when I woke up this morning? Well, the first thing I was thinking was, when is my alarm going to go off? (laughs) The second thing I was like was this. I immediately thought of my mom. I'm not trying to mess you all up, but it's going to mess some of you up, so sorry. If if you don't know, my, my mother died from cancer over 10 years ago. And I immediately had pictures of her in that hospice hospital. Not pretty pictures. And it's amazing how you can just like, you can just go right back there, right? You can go back to that moment for a second. Now, it wasn't like overwhelming. I mean, I'm not a super, I'm not a super immediately emotional person. I mean, like, Newsflash. <laughs> I'm a slow reactor. <laughs> Let me get back to you later about how I feel. How do you feel about that? I'll get back to you in like six weeks. <laughs> I might have realized it by then. <laughs> I begin to think, I, I have, you know, I have, the, I have this one picture and it's, it's so, it's like it can mess with you. It's my dad spoon-feeding my mother, saying, It's okay, honey. 
We can still beat this. But she still died. But I'm reminded every Easter of the resurrection. You can't experience the power of the resurrection unless you experience the reality of death. But when you experience the reality of death, you're in the perfect place to experience the power of resurrection life in your spirit, in your innermost being, to know Jesus is greater than death. And it can still make me sad, but death has no sting in my soul. It's not Lord. It's not Lord of my life. I will not allow death to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, the living Messiah, is Lord of my life. And so every time I'm reminded of death, I will speak life. I will speak His name. I will say whatever truth I can to say, No, Jesus is alive. And that means death has no victory, that death is not the end. So for those ones we've loved, that we've lost, that have gone on before us, that knew Jesus, they're not dead. They're not dead. Yeah. I'm glad you all got excited about that. (laughs) Let me show you this other scripture. I love this scripture. Never used it on Easter before. So, 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is like the teacher study portion of the message here. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Starting in verse 8. Well, 2 Timothy, I meant not first. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. So do not be ashamed of the testimony. There it is again. (laughs) About our Lord Jesus or of me, his prisoner. I mean, can you imagine like the number one guy for Christians, right? Was always in prison. (laughs) He was always getting arrested. It was always like... Yeah, who who are you following? Well, I'm following Jesus, and there's this guy named Paul. Where is he at right now? Well, they, he got he's in prison again, again. He's he's still in prison. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us. To a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed 
through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It's good news. You know, the word, therefore, here it says destroyed. Um, in some Bibles it says abolished. Uh, it's a Greek word that comes from the verb katargeo, which literally means to bring to nothing or to render inoperative. So Jesus brought death to nothing and rendered it inoperative. You know, my wife had an interoperative printer today, <laughs> which she told us about. We were watching it on the worship team. But when something doesn't work, it doesn't work the way it was created to work. Now, we, God didn't create death. We did. He didn't make it. We created it. But Jesus uncreated it. <laughs> the patent's over on this one. Canceled. And it says that Jesus brought life and immortality to light. In other words, he, he shined the light. He shed the light on life and immortality through the gospel, through the good news. That the good news of Jesus highlights real life and real eternal life. The word immortality there means like incorruptible, cannot be, cannot be destroyed, cannot be, cannot be perverted, cannot be corrupted, cannot be turned bad. Because eternal life Promised in Jesus is not about living forever. Because, here's the thing, everybody lives forever. Every soul lives forever. The eternal life of Jesus isn't that you get to live forever. It's not the quantity of life, it's the quality of life. If we live forever and there's a chance for heaven to be corrupted like earth, then it's not heaven. It's not eternal life. It's eternal existence. Jesus didn't come to give eternal existence. Because none of us want to exist like this forever. <laughs> as amazing as Super Dave is. <laughs> as Michael calls him. Affectionately. As amazing as the person next to you is. We don't want to exist like this forever. I don't want an eternal existence. I don't just want to live forever. I want something that's beyond earth. 
I want something that is incorruptible. I want something that cannot be tainted. I want something that cannot be stolen. I want something that has no pain. I want something that has no sickness. I want something that has no hatred. I want something that has no racism. I want something that has no murder. I want something that has no abortion. I want something that has no unforgiveness. I want something that has no, no anything else that's destructive in this earth. I want a life that's incorruptible. I want a life that cannot be stolen. I want eternal life with Jesus. And He has brought it to light through the good news. The good news is this. That life exists. And it starts to exist now. And it begins to manifest and work through us. But it's going to be working for all eternity. And that life will manifest. And every tear will be wiped away. Every sickness will be healed. Every wrong will be righted. And we will spend eternity with Jesus in life and immortality incorruptible forever that is good news and that's something worth laying your life down for and say Jesus if that's the good news I'm going to make you my Lord you are worth everything you are worth all the pain I'm going to experience on this life all the rejection I will experience all my family saying all those crazy things that family says to my life to say no I'm going to live for Jesus I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to live a life that's crazy for Jesus. Whatever crazy looks like for me. I don't know what it looks like for you. But I have to live it like it looks like for me. So take a risk for the gospel this year. Whatever that risk looks like for you, take a risk to to proclaim and live the good news of Jesus. You're a witness. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're one of the witnesses. Jesus appeared to you. He has shown up in your life. And if you've never experienced that, then today is the day of salvation. I don't care if you sat in church for 30 years. Some people sit in church for 30 years and they don't really know Jesus. They know about Him. They've got memory verses memorized. They know how to sing the right song. They might even know how to look the part, but they don't know Jesus. Because when you know Him, everything changes. You know if you know Him. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to work it up. It's not religion. It's not, it's not just going through the motions. Although we sometimes end up going through the motions, but that's not who, our, who we are in our heart. That's not our innermost being. That's not our innermost desire. Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, which brought and shed light on life and the incorruptible eternal life that is available right now through Him. But it costs you everything. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to leave it all behind. You've got to lay down everything that would hinder you and the sin that so easily entangles you and run the race and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Whether you give me anything else or not, whether you answer a prayer or not, whether it, whether 
my church grows or not, or whether my life, where I, whether I make a mo- lot of money or not, or whether I have the right kids or not, or whether my life is the way I want it to be or not, Jesus, I am going to love you, I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to lay my life down for you. You gave your life for me, I will live my life for you. sure why I had that open anyway, but Jesus, help us. Help us, oh God. This is the greatest time to be alive. This is the greatest time to be alive. God had, He wanted you to be alive right now. Right now, in this season of history, you're alive right now for a purpose. It's not a mistake. It's not just chance. It's not just a roll of the dice where, oh, we rolled the right number. Oh, and Brandy shows up right now. And she's 29 years old. (laughs) Something like that. 31, maybe. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) Right at the right moment. The right moment for the gospel's sake. Because there's something of the good news of Jesus that will be released through brandy. Thank you, Lord, that that's true. Thank you that it's true for you and for anyone here who's a child of God. It's true for you. It's still true for you. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of the call of God in your life. Don't let it go. Those things that He's spoken to you. Don't don't live a mediocre life. Don't settle less than the best that Jesus paid for in your life. Help me, Lord. Help me. I just want to pray over us. I do want us to, we're going we're gonna to respond. We'll have the leaders at our altar stand up. Yeah, you can stand up. Change your position a little bit. If you just want to open your hands. I, d- I just feel like God wants to, I really sense this when I read that scripture, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is that, that, that shame wants to come on people right now, on, on believers in Jesus, on the children of God, and just and silence us. Just make us be quiet. Make us not live to the fullness of of abandon in Jesus that we could. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of shame. Lord, if any of us have been ashamed of the good news, or, or maybe we, you know, we're thinking back to a time when we failed you, God, and so we, we look on that moment with shame, I break its power right now, and I say, Jesus' death beat that failure. Jesus' death beat your failure. Whatever the worst failure is that you think disqualifies you, Jesus beat it with His death and resurrection. It is covered by the blood of Jesus. And you don't have to be ashamed anymore because He's not ashamed and you don't have to live ashamed of the gospel. So empower us, God. Holy Spirit, come and empower us to live the life of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, because it's the power of God. We're crying out, oh God, send your power. He says, I sent my gospel. Now go and live it out, and my power will follow those who believe.
So we thank you, God, for giving us boldness. I'm reminded in Acts chapter 4, it says, where they prayed together and the place where they gathered were shaken. And then they went out and spoke the word of God more boldly than ever before. Whatever boldness looks like in our life, it's not always loud, but it's bold. It's a step of faith. It's a risk. Loving that person that's unlovable. Rather than judging them. That's the gospel. Reaching across barriers. Whatever barrier of culture or race or relationship or social status. Reaching across those barriers with love and humility. That's the gospel. Yes, it's going to the going to the nations. Yes, it's the missionary who packs their bags and says they're never going to come back. But sometimes it's just us going across the street. Help us live the gospel. Help us live the good news of Jesus. I pray that every single believer in Jesus, Lord, that we would be freshly empowered to know who you are and to know who we are. And to live a life without shame and without fear for the gospel of Jesus. You can do it, oh God. You can do it in our generation, God. You want to see the gospel proclaimed in this generation. We can't tell the stories about the last generation. We tell them to encourage us. But we want to make a story now. What about the story being written right now of lives encountering Jesus Christ? So we thank you that wherever our foot goes, wherever you take us, wherever we find ourselves, Lord, we're there for a purpose. That we exist for a purpose. And that purpose is to love you and to proclaim the gospel to every creature on this planet. Fill us freshly, O Holy Spirit. Let us see supernatural signs and wonders happen. For the gospel's sake, not so we can just see something cool, God. Not so we can just say that our prayer got answered. Not so we can, we don't want any more glory. Lord, we don't want glory. I don't want glory, Lord. We want you to get the glory, we, but we want the good news of Jesus. Fill us with love and compassion for people. Thank you, Lord, for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't, don't leave yet. Leaders, come on up front. We have our leaders up here. If you've never, we do this every week, but if you've never given your heart to Jesus and you're like, man, I don't know that I have. Come on up and get prayer and give your heart to Jesus. Today is the day. If you have given your heart to Jesus and you just say, I just need prayer, then come up and get prayer before you go. We got time till lunch. There's plenty of time to eat Easter lunch later. Get prayer and get empowered by God. If you need healing in your body, if you need a miracle, miracles are possible because Jesus is alive. The greatest miracle of all is the resurrection. If you're overcome with grief and mourning or something, come on up and get prayer and let's have that thing broken off of you so you can live with the perspective of heaven. Doesn't mean it won't hurt. It just means it won't have a hold of you. Thank you, Jesus. If you need prayer, everybody come. Come on up. Let's come get prayer. If you need prayer, don't go without getting prayer.